Welcome to another episode of Fans in Motion, the podcast that you didn't know that you needed, but now you do. Joining me is uh, my steady sidekick. Uh, you know, if I was Batman, he would be my Robin. If I was Cher, he would be Sonny. Is uh, old uh, Brent Walter Uh kindly enough to make it with me make it with us here uh with him i hate making uh, nothing with you <laughs> oh you wish you could there robin um it, 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 it's it's sunny i sing about as well as he does too <laughs> and ski um yeah, but joining and joining brent and i on the fans of motion podcast the ultimate night ranger podcast is podcaster collector author Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Um, Mr. Tim Derling, who has uh I've been on his podcast, but hey, welcome to ours, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. This is uh this is a real honor. Um really enjoy watching. So yeah, it's cool to be uh, it's cool to actually be on the podcast. So do do I need to <laughs> recite a lyric or anything? Uh, yeah, you go know. You know what I noticed today when I had the dog out? It it really is cold as December. There you go. It usually is in December. Um, Funny thing, yeah. So uh, for those that don't know that uh, Tim has a podcast, look at this, Tim's Vinyl Confessions, where um, when you have vinyl and you have sins, you can go and uh, be cleansed. Um, but I've been on, I think, the podcast twice. I think we just yep. recently we did the 40 Years in a Night. Um, yep. And... Previously, I don't remember um, if there was. That was way back in February, and uh, yeah, we just had a general discussion about about fans in motion and about Night Ranger, and uh, of course, in between that time, I've actually gotten to see them. Thanks, thanks in large part to Josh and the meet and, Street, and uh, yeah. So um, yeah, it was. Uh, I can guarantee it was an excellent episode. So go check out both of those and all of Tim's other. Uh, um, episodes there on tim's vinyl confessions now tim has uh also written this book look at that look at that um an adventure in eight tracks unspooled um and that's what we're here today to talk about we're going to talk about night ranger eight tracks and a little bit of eight tracks in general just because it's an interesting topic and uh um you know, and a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I mean, Night Ranger does have three releases on on the old uh, eight tracks. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do the uh, deep dive into the art of collecting music and memorabilia, the grime and the gunk and of crate digging, and maybe a little bit of education too. That's a good little hype sticker you got there, Tim. So, yeah, I, thank you. Uh, yeah, I uh, I can't take any credit for the design. That's my good friend Matt Phillips that that designed this one uh, for me, and uh, it, it it's looks way more pro than I feel most of the time. So, so I had written, I had done a little, you know, quick research and written some notes out just about the history of eight tracks. That's where I went right before we started recording. I went upstairs to get that, and literally, the dog ate my fucking homework. That was on the floor. Yeah, lobby. Well, I mean, there's actually damn good proof of it. Um, so, anyways, he was running down the steps. 
I got to look like I made some effort. Well, I go, I walk, I open the, you know, I go upstairs and I open the door and he turns around, looks at me and gives me that look like he knows. And, but I, I don't know what it is yet, right? I'm thinking he's, I see the coat on the floor, right? So he's went and grabbed my coat and took it down. All right. I, I expect that. So I go to grab the notes. I go in the kitchen and bam, scattered all over the floor, eaten and shredded and whatever. But anyways, what I had written on here was eight tracks. Looks And Tim, you can obviously chime in if some of this information is wrong, but eight tracks peaked sales wise in the u.s in 1978 so that kind of gives you an idea of you know where the top of the mountain was um for eight tracks now my collecting life and you know music listening you know life eight tracks were already in the past i was born in 1977 now i was getting you know music bought for me at three years old in 1980, um, you know, Billy Joel Glass House is on vinyl, you know, Huey Lewis and the Cars and Night Ranger in 1983, all on vinyl. A track, even back then, didn't cross my mind. The first memory I kind of have of a track is um, two things. One, my aunt's nice big stereo that she had, right? she got for christmas had an eight track player and i knew cassettes i knew vinyl but what's this damn other you know contraption that's on there and then i remember maybe being like 10 years old 11 years old 1987 88 we were having a yard sale and one of my aunts put out a big box of eight tracks for 25 cents a track a track and not a single soul wanted them like and even I never went back and wanted to go through them and take them because it was just so ancient. So eight tracks really never meant much to me. Um, Tim, do you do you were you ever um, at the point when you were, you know, buying music that eight track was your number one go to? Um, and if so, what was one of your first eight tracks you ever bought? It was never like it was never a. Um a go-to for me i didn't really start um getting into actually buying music uh as opposed to just record you know getting blank tape memorax tapes and recording songs off the radio right till i was about 11 12 so 85 86 but i did have one eight track that i got for christmas in 1979 i was born in 74 and it was the muppet movie soundtrack um so i that was the one eight track i owned and we didn't even have a player in the house so the only time i could listen to it is when i went to my grandparents house because they had one of those big floor size cab the the turntable you know is on tracks and and it comes out and and it had the eight track and the radio and the big tv sat on top of it so that's the only place i could play it and i think within a week of playing it it wound up inside of it because they're very, very, they're very, very strange construction in these things. Um, but I am old enough to remember, like my older cousins having stuff like the Cars first album and Blondie, and I, I'm pretty sure Black Back in Black. Somebody had Back in Black way back then, but um, I don't remember when 
it, people stopped having them. I just, all of a sudden, everybody that was in kind of in my family, everybody bought cassettes, even the grown ups. Like it just became so much simpler and smaller. And they started putting, you know, new cars started coming with cassette decks in them already. So they just kind of went by the wayside. So they were never, they were never my preferred format. It was strictly in, in uh, a collecting thing. Um, and you're right, by the end of the 80s, there was, there was no value in these. I remember being in, in uh, secondhand stores and seeing, you know, they must have been old stock that record stores would have had. Um, still sealed and marked down to 50 cents there's just no market for them at this point so of course i wish now i'd have bought a ton of them you know if mm. they were good rock albums but um now brent did you i mean i i, I already probably can answer that you weren't a a eight track guy more of a vinyl guy but uh you know what's your eight track stories and i know you you probably bought some to collect no i bought some to listen to um ooh, ooh. see my parents both all their cars had eight tracks in them so my first eight track that i purchased with my own money was lover boy get lucky now what year that 80 something like that, Eight, that was 80, yeah so and the reason i bought it on a track was because we could listen to it in the car and my yep. mom my mom liked it so i knew i could listen to it in the car um, that backfired on me because when my mom and dad had to go to Atlanta, she hijacked my lover boy eight tracks and took them with her <laughs> for a week. And I didn't have anything to listen to. Um, but no, I, my dad would buy eight tracks as a kid. I can remember going to, um, there was a local chain store here called Swallens, but I mean, I, I was born in 68. So any store, I mean, do you guys remember them even in the stores at all? Vaguely. I remember them being behind like plastic dividers right. and you had to ask someone oh. to unlock them. But if, if the store was um what's the word technologically up to date, they had the plexiglass in front and they had holes in them. You could stick that's, your hand Yes, that's what I mean. You like could stick your hand inside of it, but you couldn't pull it out and you could right. look at it yeah. and you would drop it and it would be on a conveyor belt and it would take it to the register. Yeah, uh, and, and... I, I vaguely remember that the plexiglass and seems to me I remember them coming in a in a cardboard, probably an anti theft thing, but a card that was they were like in a cardboard, uh, not not like a, a not CD a long, long box, almost like a CD long box, almost. But you could see them; it was clear. But the rest of it was, I think it was must have been an anti theft thing. But that is way way back in the memory bank. Yeah, and that so, was for the store. That was so, the stores that didn't have that conveyor belt you know yeah function. so was this the reason why for this was because they were smaller and could be stolen unlike maybe a vinyl record right probably cassette, i mean it's yeah. the same reason why they had you know why they uh cassettes remember you guys remember going into a store to get a cassette and they'd have that plastic thing on them that they had to take off at the counter for mm -hmm. same thing it was an anti yeah, when thing. i worked at and when i was a kid and i worked in a record store all we had to do was flex them and bend them and they'd pop out. And I, you, and people were stealing them left and right. And they're like, you got to keep a better. I'm like, this anti-theft thing is not working for us. Um, yeah. But the A-tracks, yeah, I can, I can, I remember being so pissed as a kid because anything I had on vinyl that I found at a garage sale for a quarter on A-track, 
that if my parents did let me listen to rock and roll over, the songs wouldn't be in the same order. That's right. And then yeah. you then you had that one song that's gonna fade out, yep. fade back yeah. in and sing the same lyric over again. Kind of like when you're watching TV and they're and they leave you on a going to a commercial yeah. and they come back and play that same freaking scene again. Um, that used to drive me nuts. So I probably had 10, 15, eight tracks in a 1983. I got a turntable stereo system with a dual cassette deck, an eight track player, and a turntable. And the eight track player, you could record on it. So I was in heaven because I was going to all the garage sales, buying those up for a quarter and recording over them because they're, they were, if you could record on it, there's, it's not like a cassette where you punch a tab out. You could just stick it in and record over. And, and what I didn't beauty know of that, that was, I, I knew you could record over them, but I didn't know how. Yeah. You just put it in, hit record, and it would just dub over top of it. That's and why my Love Gun 8 track has a baseball game over part of it. There you go. And <laughs> the beauty of that was, is it didn't pause for the track. It just, and, and the, the song would keep going automatic okay yeah and so you didn't have that fade out and if you were i mean i got to the part to where I, i'd figure out how much time was on that tape and i started rearranging the songs so i'd only have one song do it versus four songs yeah. doing it well, there's a reason they did that there's a there's a reason for the the divided dividing the songs and there's a reason for them not being in the right order it's right. to keep the four programs roughly the same length because you could not rewind eight tracks you could only right. fast forward them. So if you were, you know, if you were lucky, you know, let's say you only like three songs on an album. Well, if you were lucky, they were all in the same program, but right. they probably weren't. Now, my question for you is, which I don't know the answer to this, and I try to tell people even on this show that I don't know why they call them eight tracks because there's technically four tracks. The head yeah. just moves up and down. Yep. And, and, it, you know, it's in four different that, positions. Yep. But to the best of my knowledge, yeah, to, to the best of my knowledge, Brent, it's simply because they're four tracks and they're stereo four times two. Okay. That's to the best of my knowledge why they're called four tracks. It's I used to know it's, some of this, and it, it's there's a chapter in the book that where, someone go talks about exactly how they work. And it is yeah. it is literally you've got your tape like this on program one. And when you switch to program two, it makes a quarter turn yeah. and then it makes another quarter turn. And so as thin as the, the tape is, imagine splitting that up into four. That's that's your complete program. So your your sound quality wasn't going to be there. And also, eventually, that's why you get the crosstalk where you'd start to hear two songs at the same time, because you would hear the corresponding song on another program. Because the tape is, you know, everything's not tight, right? It's just, it's a, it's See, an our odd. Heads, our heads always went up and down. Okay. So, so because I'd open up the flap and I'd get the alcohol and the swab and I'd clean it and I'd hit it and I'd watch it go up and down. So I don't know. I didn't know anything about any heads going. I mean, was that earlier or? It might have been earlier, but I mean, that is something that you will find. With I mean, eight you, tracks, eventually over time, they'll start to, you know, you'll have two songs going at the same yeah. time because you've got the corresponding. 
you know, if you're six minutes into program one, you'll get the song that's six minutes into program two. That's the other thing. Like, if you want to skip to the song, it doesn't automatically skip to the beginning of the next program. It skips to where you're at. You know, if you're three minutes in, well, you're three minutes in, you're probably yeah. going to end up in the middle of a song. And, and yeah, there was that little bit of repeating uh, when it would fade out. I guess that's so you didn't miss any of it, you know, so none of it got lost. But the, what you, you kind of alluded to it, why eight tracks were popular in the first place was because of the portability. Right. You could listen to them in your car. You, If you wanted to listen to a particular album and not wait for a song you like to happen to come on the radio, you wouldn't know when. You could with an eight track. So that was why it was so popular. And it totally makes sense that 1978 was the peak year. That totally makes sense. Um, I wouldn't disagree with that because the majority of eight tracks, I think most people, if they know about eight tracks, they think of them as a 70s thing. Yeah, and and then cars started putting cassette decks in. Yeah, which no need for the A track. It's no different than when the CDs came in. And they started yeah, but the out. interim, the interim thing, and I've got a picture of it in here. The interim thing, which I used to think was pretty cutting edge, was the old uh, cassette adapter. Yeah, yeah. Where you hold on, I know I got it in here somewhere, right here. Old Sparklematic cassette mm-hmm. adapter, so it's shaped like an A track. But you can lay a cassette down in there, plug it into an eight-track player, and it'll play your cassette. Totally remember those. Yeah. And the you know, same deal with the CDs. If you had a portable CD player, you'd plug it into your headphone jack. You plug that cassette My in. first CD player was one of those, and you'd hit any thing resembling a bump, <laughs> and it would you, all of a sudden it would skip. And it might be a minute before it came back on. You're exactly right. <laughs> now, I will tell you, um, I remember my dad's portable A-track that because we had the big stereo where you open the lid, you know, put the turntable down there. And the A-track was its own component. And I remember that would get offline and he'd open it up and there'd be a little screw and he'd screw it and it would move the head. So we'd put an A-track in until we, you know, I, I learned a lot from just watching my dad as a kid, you know. That, Did you ever, you ever see him stick a matchbox or, a, or a, a matchbook underneath or to steady it? I've no. seen people do that, too, because it would it would start to, like, the 8-track would, half of the 8-track hung out of the player. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know what you're when talking you about, because if it got loose. Just, yeah, just like putting a penny on top of your stylus put, the record player. I had to put on that JC Penny one, I had to put a popsicle stick underneath of it. Yeah, it's, there was I so much. take it apart. Before you could actually listen to anything there was so much work that had to be done and to this day like there are collectors of these things that listen to these actively and it takes so much maintenance you've got to clean the machines you've got to oil them you've got to open the tapes up figure out how to open them without damaging the labels and re-spool them uh you know and uh sometimes you end up there's a story in the book about that with something called a coffee can tape which is People will bring these, those, those folks that own this uh, repair shop, they'll bring them like a coffee can full of tape. Somewhere in there, there's an eight track. Can you fix this for me? <laughs> because there's a lot of tape inside, you know, your average eight track. And then if you get like a double live album on one tape, there's even more tape. So uh, it's an odd format for me to get obsessed with. But I think that the obsession part comes when I realized that uh, the record clubs kept making eight tracks almost all the way through the 80s mm-hmm. 
for whatever reason, that blew my little mind when I found that out sometime in the mid 90s. I had no idea. I always thought 81, 82. You just didn't see them anymore. But yes, that that was not the case with with if you were a member of, of uh, the record clubs, RCA music service or mostly more popularly um, Columbia. I'd say Columbia had to be the most popular depend based on all the used things I've seen way more Columbia House and that's in any format. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, good. And the, the one thing like I see popping up all the time on different record forums are the reel to reel tapes. You know, those were non pretty much non-existent that I don't yeah. remember seeing as a kid. Those, those are yeah. like beyond uh, eight tracks. Yeah. You know, like they're like the next frontier of rare. I had no idea. I always thought reel to reel was simply for recording. I didn't know like, not I don't just mean recording in a in a studio, but like answering machines or, you know, things like that. I had no idea that you could buy albums on reel to reel. They came in these boxes a little bit bigger than a CD, uh, and surprisingly, like uh, the eight tracks, Columbia House manufactured those later, because if you go on Discogs, you'll find albums like Yes Nine Hundred One Two Five. Uh, Van Halen, 1984, Steve Perry, Street Talk, on reel to reel. Now they're not for sale, but no. they existed. Uh, I don't know if there are any Night Ranger ones. I mean, it would be the first two albums, if any. But mm. yeah, those are, I don't have any reel to reels because they have not come down in price. I've mm. I, every once in a while I'll go on eBay and I'll look and they'll have like Kiss ones or Aerosmith or Alice Cooper, but they're always two hundred and fifty dollars starting out. So it's just not worth it. No. But it's cool. And plus, I know me. Once I had one, then I'd have a problem, right? So, now what was the big deal with like the quadraphonic eight tracks? I mean, was that like the first time you were able to get like a surround sound? I think eights? that was yeah. That was something that they 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 pushed from about 1972 to 75. So it's a very small window when, and you had to have a special player for them. You couldn't just use a regular eight track player. I actually first read about those in, in um, one of Dale Sherman's books, a Collector's Guide Dallas Cooper. Um, I didn't know anything about them, but apparently on in some cases, there are uh, musical parts that you could hear on these quad eight tracks that you couldn't hear just listening to the regular album. Um, I think Billion Dollar Babies is one of those that has, you know, extra parts, but they... It, it never really caught on. It, it, those really only lasted about four years. I would think that the record company probably really liked eight tracks because there can't be a lot of money in this, right? Plastic. I would think that they'd be very, <laughs> very easy to throw together in a mass, yeah. like assembly line. And, and you don't have to worry about liner notes. I mean, listen, it's a sticker yep. and a sticker, and yep. and it's just amazing too that I mean, I guess. I don't know if things were just different then, but you know, it's like when I, even as a kid, when I bought music, it was part of my, my collection. I took a little care of it. Right. And I want, you know, I liked how it looked in the cassette rack and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And eight tracks just always look like shit. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, and um, you definitely yeah. didn't buy them to admire the cover art because you, you know, it's small. You know, the cassettes were smaller, but these were small. 
you couldn't look at it while you were playing them because, like I said, half of it was in the player, half of it was stuck out. Back cover art, you might as well forget about that. Unless those, those bubbles. Uh, unless and then yeah, if they were left out in the sun or anything like you'd get the bubbling. That happens very, mm-hmm. very frequently. But you know, in the 70s, AM put out probably the best looking eight tracks because I've got a couple Nazareth ones. If you've got sticks ones, they actually have some of the back cover art on them. So they actually put some money into the uh you know the packaging. But again, you can't look at that when it's playing. So I don't know. It's again, it's the portability that won out. It wasn't mm. for um, you know, it wasn't for the cosmetic look of it. This is nineteen eighty one, Hank Williams Jr. And uh, Hank Jr., I mean, if you're uh, a fan of like country music in the eighties, your favorite artist all the way up through nineteen eighty eight, because uh Oh, I, I know. Think, I think uh Wild Street was Hank's album in eighty eight. That's on eight track. All of those albums came out. Well, you know, if you're listening to old Hank Williams Jr., you're probably a little bit behind on the times, you know. Uh, um, (laughs) Well, that's the cliche, but I mean, there is, there's got to be some truth there because, I mean, all the George Strait albums that came out, Alabama and Reba and Randy Travis even, uh, Ricky Skaggs, that stuff's all on 8-track and all of those albums came out because sometimes with the rock bands, they either did, there's a point where they stopped or there are gaps. There's there's one that came out, the next one didn't, and then the next one did come mm-hmm. on an 8-track. There's some weird, like, it would have been really frustrating if that was your preferred, preferred format. 1981 RCA Music Service under license. Um, I do have a couple other, I do have a lot of 8-tracks, but um, I don't know where that case is, so these were ones I had sitting out. Um, these are all manufactured by RCA Record Club. Uh, Major Moves, which was released in 1984, and uh, another one from 81, Hank Williams Jr. Rowdy. So here's an 84. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, you bring up a good point. By by this time, um, all of them looked the same as far as like on the record clubs, because if you were, if the album came out on RCA Music Service, which was later to become BMG Music Service. Mm-hmm. All of them looked like they were on RCA. Likewise, all of the Columbia House ones looked like they were on CBS, no matter what the originating label was. So there is a generic look to them once they started, once they head into what I call RCO territory, which is record club only. My parents used to have that that Elvis record. I remember that well from being a kid. <laughs> you remember what the cassettes looked like that came from Columbia House? They looked awful. Yeah, they'd have those two pink lines yeah i've got i've got a couple spine. Uh, yeah and, i got a couple and, april wine ones ugliest looking cassette design yeah. all they white look like paper. in canada they look different but they, yeah the u.s columbia house ones were ugly. horrible and i'll yeah. tell you when they went right around 1987 when they started issuing what looked like what you buy in the store mm-hmm. people would try to bring them into to, the, to yeah. me yeah, and I and I turn it over. I'm like, um, no, this is manufactured CR- by Columbia. House I said, under yeah, license. I said it's yeah. a CRC here. Yeah. So I said that's Columbia Record Club. We we don't sell that. Yeah, uh-huh, I bought it from here. From- I'm like, you did not buy that from you here. Did not buy that. If it's got six letters and six numbers and a letter in brackets, you did not buy it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I wasn't stupid. It was funny because people would come in all the time and asking for a tracks, and they were always country. Yeah, and I would t- I would yeah. tell them you have to join a record club to get them. We can't, yeah. we can't, we can't order it for you. 
Well, yeah. my friends got it. I'm like, yeah, you probably got it through a record Your club. Friend. That's the only way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> around, uh, yeah, like 82. Most of the way through 82, a lot of the albums still came out on 8-track, but not in very big quantities. But like by 83, it was really, really curtailed. So um, I don't know why they kept making them. That's the thing. I, I don't know why they kept making them. It's a weird thing. And in Canada, Columbia House stopped making 8-tracks in 1984. They didn't go as long as as they did in the U.S. I mean, you know, and who knows? I mean, it could be something where, um, and again, I don't, I'm just making up stuff to where, okay, in order to like keep a contract, right? You, uh, you've got to press 50,000 copies of Night Ranger Midnight Madness. Well, how many are we going to be able to get rid of on vinyl? Um right. 40 or say 30,000. Well, we can probably do 15,000 on cassette. Well, um, where we, we got to print, print the other 5,000 so we can keep this contract. Yeah. Uh, you know, do, or are they, you know, you know, can we get rid of another 5,000 cassettes? Probably not. Can we get rid of another 5,000 vinyl? Maybe, but they're going to take up space and storage. Um, Burn them on a track. We can at least yeah. probably move, you know, a few thousand. And the ones that we don't move, they don't take up much space. You could look at, you know, that could be some reason. Yeah, I, that's. Um, you know, I really wanted. Um, I really was hoping I could track somebody down that worked at one of the record clubs back then, and kind of say, "Look, talk me through this process." Um, when somebody submits their card, you had to submit your card, and the letter would determine what format you wanted and you know would somebody look at it and go oh you know this is the fifth person this week that wants van halen 5150 on eight track i guess we'll have to run a few off like i have to think that as it the, the longer it went along the, the pressings just got so even for million selling albums just got so very low that sure. that's yeah. why you know that's why brent was able to sell preachers of the night what he sold it for and it because was because there just aren't that many of them it was in beautiful condition i didn't i didn't want to get rid of it but it was one of those things where when kiss online's releasing a limited edition of vinyl for 250 dollars you got to pull that money from somewhere i'd you have know? kept the a track myself well that's me it was but that a track had sat in a box for 20 years i know and because i didn't want to damage it yeah, and and I was gonna add earlier, you know, the one thing the a some a tracks I don't know what they call it, you know, on cassette it's a, it's like a little felt head behind the tape. Yeah, but a tracks that sucker, depending on the material they use, it would just break down and disintegrate. Oh yeah, they just they just deteriorate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, the little uh, yeah. Right, and this I this one doesn't I, even have it. I don't think I got real good. You know, like we'd buy them at the yard sales, and I and my dads would do that. And I got real good at opening them up and sliding a new one in there, you know. Um, it's just what I bring to the table. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and it's not easy. It's 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 really not. Um, you know, you figure out but, real fast. Do you open it from the top or do you open it from the bottom? You know. Well, and and then every every company had a different mold, like for putting them together. Like they they're different shapes. It's like yeah. And some were snap-ins and some were screws, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. The screws are the ones I, I always did. So yeah. Here is an unopened Gary Stewart. You like some good country honky tonk. There you go. So nothing too crazy. It would come with like a cardboard slip case and then it's just wrapped in shrink. Yeah, you know, the slip case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing is about KISS, like, there are probably people that collect KISS 8-tracks that don't collect 8-tracks by anybody else, but they collect KISS. So when you've got those, you know, like Creatures was the last one to come out on retail, um, but Lick It Up and Animalize came out on Columbia House. And I'm still kicking myself for not buying Animalize off eBay when I had the chance, it was buy it now because I hate bidding. I hate bidding and waiting to see if I get outbid. This was buy it now. It was like $250. And I'm sitting there going, oh, how can I justify this? And, you know, I wish I'd just pulled the trigger on it because then <laughs> I would only need creatures and lick it up now because I got them all through the elder, mm. which is none too easy to find either. But um, so we should, uh, should we bring this around to Night Ranger so we don't lose well, everybody? Yeah, we we lost them five minutes in. Um, yeah. So here is starting back in the Night Ranger career. This is what I got. Yeah. Rubicon on 20th Century Fox Records 8-track. I, yeah. I don't know if that's the original. Yeah, the subcase. So 20th Century... 20th Century Records, wasn't that, I think that was affiliated with Casablanca, if I'm not mistaken. I think there was a connection there. Maybe. I don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the only 20th Century record I had as a kid was the story of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty you popular know. one for that, yeah. And now, this slipcase is Canada. GRT of Canada. See, they may have been the distributor in canada for 20th century i'm seeing if there's anything on the back here that mentions canada and that might not even be the original slipcase it may not be i don't know yeah sometimes you know like i said if you get a, a kiss one in a casablanca you've probably got the right one mm -hmm. or there used to be you know there's a there's a chapter in this book where i talk about what i call naked eight tracks and uh, that's not nearly as fun as it sounds but at some point, like Atlantic Records did this, Warner Brothers, I guess all the Warner associated labels did it. But um, you'd see ones like this, right? Those are legitimate eight tracks. But uh, the, the, at, those, at that time, for some reason, they put out um, slipcases, just like DVDs and Blu-rays. But the slipcase would have the cover art on it. Well, mm -hmm. you know, you talk about taking care of stuff. The slipcases usually got tossed. So then you've got all these eight tracks that don't have any cover art on them, but they are legitimate eight tracks. Sometimes there'd be artwork on the slipcase and on the tape, sometimes not. Um, let me show you a couple of my prized possessions that do not have artwork on the actual art. These are two of the rarest ones I have, band that people may have heard of. A little band called Yesterday and Today. They shortened their name eventually. But this is their first album, and uh, there's no artwork on the. And I was lucky enough to find a copy where somebody had kept the slipcase. Wow. Um, so, 
That was on London Records, as was the second album, Struck Down. Similar, it's just it's a white label, right? Really good shape, but yeah, if this got thrown out, that's all that we'd have is this. That's right? amazing. I, I don't. And as far as I know, anything as in the states right like now, that. Those are the only two Y&T eight tracks, even though it's very possible that like Earthshaker and Black Tiger might exist on eight track. I've just never ever heard tell of them existing. Doesn't mean that they don't. So. This is the eight-track player that I have, um, a portable one. Probably, I would say, more towards probably the end of the eight-track year. I mean, it looks. I was going to say that looks relatively new. Yeah, uh-huh. if you had, if you had one from nineteen seventy-eight, seventy-nine, and you they used to have those big long sticks and like a handle you could punch. Plun- yeah, they're like a plunger. Yeah, <laughs> and now, we wanted one of those so bad. I remember. I have tried a couple of these and i don't think this thing works as good as it used to yeah and you got to demagnetize those heads on there all right well right too. i just clicked so you can see here it it's on four yep so i don't know if it's going to play or not well okay. is he good is josh about to have tape spaghetti folks we're yeah. going to find out And what people don't realize on those eight tracks where the little silver connector is that track yeah. it, that's where the tape is also connected together right under that. Oh, look so at that. That would wear out. We'd have to tape them. Yeah. We hear nothing. 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 I can help it out. We're down here drinking some cider on the porch. All right, so there you go. You got uh, you got the first. You got the first Rubicon. Who who were you playing? Rubicon. Oh my God! You actually put that in there. I don't give a shit. Well, if it... so you can see, there's two different. You okay. Know, one's, yeah. One's blue. Uh, one's. Uh... I wonder if one's a club version or one. I don't know, but they made di- they did make different colored molds because mm-hmm. I've had two different uh, uh, toys in the attic. One one had a red casing and one had a black one. So I would almost say the stickers are the same. Yeah. Uh, don't see anything different with the uh, stickers. It's just the uh... and the numbers are all the same on there. Yep. Maybe pressed in two different places or could a different be. run or yeah. And that's just what they or, or could have been. They ran one tape and they had those cases left over and they just went ahead and filled them with the with, you know with those. Yeah. Now, see, that's I why it, that's why it would be nice to have somebody from a label or from like you said RCA on that could tell you more about that. See, I put yeah, this in guess. and they don't play, but this Whalen one. Uh, <laughs> It plays perfectly. Yeah. So, anyways, I don't have the second record, and I'm not sure if I've ever seen it. I think maybe if I saw it, I would have bought it. Um, American Dream. So you got that second <clears throat> Rubicon record out there. So if anybody's got it on a track, there you go. This is the uh, place to uh, put it in the comments or something. Because that uh, would be that would be the rarer of the two. Because I mean. 
I don't think either of those were that big, but I mean, the first one did have a, you know, a minor hit. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking on Discogs and I don't see an eight track. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist because Discogs is only as good as what people enter in. I've entered right. a lot of eight tracks on there that weren't there before. So uh, I think it's important to keep that stuff up to date. It's one of the reasons I did the book. And at the end, so the book, the, the, the chapters in the book go from 1981 to 1988. At the end of each of those years, there's a list of all known eight tracks that exist only through the record club. So 1981 list is very short. That's because most new, most major label albums were still being manufactured on eight track for retail sale. Um, once you get to 83, you start to see some titles that, you know, people would go, well, I didn't know that came out on eight track. So I just thought, it, you know, all of this stuff, it's part of music history. It should be documented somehow especially when you get up to 86 87 88 like the titles would just blow your mind that, that exist it's like this is crazy what why does this coexist why do eight tracks and cds have this four-year span where they coexisted it doesn't make any sense no. and what's crazy is if you look at some forums that people like what they collect you know you see the record platinum awards with the record on it and the eight track awards oh yeah yeah, yeah they- you know, it's it, it's yeah. it's lunacy yeah and e- each format you couldn't just use okay here's the here's the vinyl master for kiss rock and roll over there's a different master for cassette there's mm-hmm. a different master for eight track they had to do a different process for cds and the remastered ones so yeah the manufacturing costs like for columbia house from 86 to 88 in the u.s you had four choices you you could you could get vinyl cassette eight track or CD, um, which is just weird. Like I talked to, I, I, I talked to one person on Instagram who said, yeah, my mom, my mom was in Columbia house in the eighties and she kept forgetting to change her format choice. And she kept getting these albums on eight tracks. And we don't even have an eight, eight track player anymore. I said, I bet you wish she'd have kept them. She said, yeah, I do. <laughs> wow. Now, Tim, do you know, hmm. I mean, between America and Canada, said i i have a couple kiss eight tracks from canada i got the cutout then of the solo album yeah. for for a buck a piece or whatever but around the world how well do you know how well eight tracks were received around the world was it more something that was to, more northern america it very much a north american thing especially once the 80s came around um i've talked to people from the uk and they'll say Oh, they died out in the mid seventies. Yeah, like, I never I, see. I, I never see them. Barely remember them. You know, like if you, um, you know, anybody that collects ACDC, uh, and you try to get all the formats, you can get those old Australian albums like TNT on a yeah. track. Um, There's certain countries of the world like Germany, I think, but but mostly it was mostly a North American thing for yeah. for whatever reason. I, I think there are Japanese ones too, but. Um, I don't have that many foreign ones myself. I've got Led Zeppelin Presence from the UK. I've got the first Queen album from the UK. I've got um, Rainbow Rising from the UK. And you can, you know, whether it's even if US and Canada, they look way different, right? Like eight tracks cassettes are formats where they're so small, you could really tell just from looking at them where they came from or whether they're retail or a club version, right? Sure. Yeah, I just hey. with, with all my collecting and I'm going through eBay or wherever, I never see eight tracks other than from Canada. 
I never see them from another uh, another country other than Canada and the USA. It's very, very rare. Like it definitely was a North American uh, phenomenon. Um, and like I said, Columbia House in Canada stopped making eight tracks and I've never seen one past 1984. I have Rush Grace Under Pressure uh, Canadian eight track. That's the only one that I have that is past say 1981 when they still would have come out in stores. I've never seen one past 1984 from Canada. That doesn't mean they didn't, but if they did, it, there weren't very many. So they did for it must be a population thing. <laughs> yeah. So going back to uh, Night Ranger eight tracks, um, this right here. Oh yeah, Cal California Cal Jam. California Jam a too. It's a double tape value. And yep. on track four, you got Rubicon, Never Gonna Leave, and Rubicon 2, Hot to Handle. So there you go. On the that is beautiful... a Canadian track. I can tell that immediately by looking well, at it. Well, look at you go. It does say Canadian. Because um, if that was the U.S. one, um, it would look like, uh, hold on. Uh, so just a quick difference between the, the U.S. and Canadian. One, one album after the other so journey next that's from canada and on uh, below that is infinity and that's from the states so that's what uh is it just just the color or is there no shot? it's, it's uh, like it's um nothing on the back so this, or? so this is white and this is like a you know an off like a cream color or a yellow so it's totally different uh like there's yeah, is, there, is, there, is there anything on the back of what's the back look like of those? Well, see, because all the song titles are on the front of this, there's nothing on the back. And I would imagine that California Jam is yeah, the same. That's why I was wondering. So this one, the cover art's a little bigger. And it's got all the song titles on the back. So Canada only gave you one sticker. The U.S. gave you two. Yeah. Um, you know what's crazy to me right now is we've got a Canadian and we've got an American, and you both technically have imports. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, the other thing, too, is I I, I live right, like, I live pretty close um, to the border. I, I grew up about 20 minutes away from the main um, border, and I had relatives over there. So I, I probably bought as many cassettes when I started buying music in the, in the States as I did in Canada. In what part do you live in? New Brunswick. So I'm, I'm, way, I'm way east. Okay. So, so those Rubicon the, albums, those would have come out what seventy eight, seventy nine. Uh, those were both seventy eight. Okay, so that's still when when uh, um they would have been released to retail and just that's just your new album comes out, it comes out on vinyl, it comes out on eight track, it comes out on cassette. Uh, yeah, it it sounds like a computer to me. This is probably because it's, I don't know, some jazz guy. Yeah, I was thinking that too, but I was a do-do-do-do-do-do-do. sound like an Atari game. Yeah. That's some Santana. Okay. You have a nice 10. Aerosmith? Nope. So you can actually see... Um, it's actually a good one to do like the tracks is actually working but so there yeah 
so that's that was one of the the, the little uh, little touches that uh, that we put into unspool because you um as you go through each chapter so you're on chapter one of 1983 and it's lit up so then when you go to chapter two it's lit up and i did that for that very reason because oh, I, I, I knew people that would grow up grew up with eight track players would be like oh i see what they're doing there yeah that's a good idea yeah so, so nuances on I'm, i don't know maybe it was your last episode i was on with you we were talking about some of the eight tracks and i couldn't remember i knew i had seven wishes but i wasn't sure if i had midnight madness or dawn patrol and you told me that i did have dawn well, i remember seeing it because i it stood out to me because i that's dawn patrol is one i don't have and, so, and every every copy of dawn patrol i've ever seen if you hold up the, the spine of it there josh it's got the title mm -hmm. big letters and the name of the band is small. So mm -hmm. you might think the name of the band was Dawn Patrol and the album was called Night Ranger <laughs> for some well, reason. If you if you look on some of the um the vinyl releases, and I I bet you could probably go all the way through Man in Motion. Um, depending there was two pressing plants for MCA, and one of them would print the album title in a little bit bigger font and have it on yeah. top and the band on bottom and the other one would switch it. So yeah. um, they do the same thing on, on vinyl. So uh, on this one here, you got just the sticker on the front. Yeah. That's a Columbia house issue because it's got that blue border around the cover. And, and it has, I can tell yeah. by the way it's, it's printed. It says CRC too, yeah. because midnight madness and seven wishes very much the same, except as you'll see, Night Rangers in the bold, <laughs> in the bigger print, and uh, the album titles below. But every copy of Dawn Patrol I've ever seen is like that. And there so, you yeah, and even, even down to what they there. look like on the back. Yeah, and, and, and it's crazy because Josh's is a boardwalk. Yeah, but like I said, those are MCA. everything looked same like format. It, it would have been on CBS. Yep. So it, there's, there's a spread in my book here where I'm talking about what they, you know, what to look for. So here we have, so we've got uh, Brian Adams, Reckless, and Night Ranger, Seven Wishes. Those are both Columbia's issues. They both look very similar. Now, Brian Adams is on A&M, mm -hmm. and Night Ranger by now is on MCA. So the labels have nothing in common. But if you're on, if the Columbia's puts you out, you're going to look just generic and like everything else. And the other thing, too, is um, if you are on CBS Records, RCA Music Service isn't going to put your music out. Mm -hmm. Vice versa, if you're on RCA, CB like Columbia House Division of CBS, so that's why you don't see, you know, uh, Columbia House tapes of like Holland Oaks or Eurythmics gotcha. or Alabama. They, or uh, they wouldn't or, give or, each other the rights to them then. Yeah, but if you're, you know, like MCA and and A and M and Atlantic and Polygram, those were like neutral labels. Mm -hmm. So it is possible, like that. Um, that Hank Jr. Ma uh, major moves eight track that Josh held up, that's what the RCA Music Service version of Midnight Madness looks like. It, so this is Columbia. The RCA ones looked mm -hmm. uh, very, very different. Um, just find a quick one here. Uh, another like later '80s one. So this is 38 special strength of numbers from '86. 
This is an RCA music service version, very different than what a Columbia house one would look like. So that's so midnight madness would look like more like this, the RCA music version, ex except it might have a black casing. So track or so, you know, track one program one would be on this is don't tell me you love me followed by can't find me a thrill. Yeah. And already we're off. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> First, those are the first two tracks on each side of you know, the record and cassette with the beginning of Play Rough, so that acoustic part. Um, program two, Play Rough Conclusion, Call My Name and Night Ranger. Program three, Sing Me Away, Young Girl in Love. And Eddie's Coming Out Tonight, the beginning. And then program four, Eddie's Coming Out Tonight, Conclusion. At Night She Sleeps and closes out with Pen A. So yeah, so anybody watching, if you know the if you know the track listing inside and out, you know that is yeah. it's like they put it on shuffle. But that's because they wanted the programs to be as even as possible so that you don't have like three minutes of space at the end of one program. So um if you like, I can read the Midnight Madness. Well let's uh, see see if this fucker plays. All right. <laughs> I can tell oh yeah, I get to both of these uh, Midnight Madison Seven Wishes, the 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 track listings are mangled. <laughs> yeah, and when he said it had, I mean, I remember most. Yeah, I can't get only, this one to play. Most would only interrupt one track where it would continue on the next track. He he read off two tracks. You know, yeah. I was like, wow. Or you might even have a situation where if they have enough room, one song will be repeated. Yeah, and if you're lucky, it's a song that they split in half that you can get whole. Well, so um, before now, before I forget, I want to throw this out here. So I don't have very many eight track players, but um, my grandpa who um, was a big George Jones fan. I remember going over to, you know, his house. Uh, it's probably been seven, eight years ago. And he was down in the basement looking for something. And when he came upstairs, you know, asked, well, what are you looking for? And he was looking for this George Jones 8-track because it had two songs on it that weren't, he didn't have it on anything else. Mm -hmm. And um, now I was eventually able to find a box set out of Germany because country Western music from the 50s and 60s is huge over in Europe because of uh, uh, Armed Forces Network Radio. Um, yeah. So... Germany releases a lot of this old 50s and 60s uh, stuff. But anyways, it was just weird that he was, you know, looking for this 8-track because it was the only place he knew that it contained. It's almost uh, like bonus tracks now, right? Yeah, like correct. you got to get a certain version to get all the songs. Yeah. So yeah. what's the uh, what's the programming on Midnight Madness? All right. Well, it starts off. You, you can still rock in America, but then right away it goes to Let It Run. So it goes from the first song mm. to the last song. Why does love have to change beginning? Good show. Program two, why does love have to change conclusion? When you close your eyes, chipping away. Um, program three is touch of madness and passion play. And program four is rumors in the air and sister Christian. So I guess the best thing I can say about this is that there's only one song that's split. But as you've heard, like the track listing is completely shot, right? Um, seven wishes. Program one is Seven Wishes, Interstate Love Affair, I Need a Woman Beginning, 
Uh, program two, I need a woman conclusion. Four in the morning, night machine. Program three, this boy needs to rock. I will follow you. Goodbye, beginning. And uh, program four, goodbye, conclusion. Faces. And it all ends with Sentimental Street. Like now, now, I got two copies of it, so I can trade you one of these for your Midnight Madness, um, and then I will be set. Um, I don't think there's any. You don't have you already. It's not the same version. The or Midnight uh, Madness. I don't. I, I well, I don't care if you have two. I just need that Midnight Madness. Okay, Josh, oh. that slipcase there. Uh huh. That is a regular CBS. That, that's how all my Loverboy Atrex came yeah, when I bought them in the store. That's a CBS, and the yeah. Columbia House ones would look a lot like that too. Did they? Because it was all the division of the same. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. But I I totally remember that, and I and I used to keep the cellophane on them. I just cut. Yeah, it I don't. I, I've always been an anal kid, you know. And I don't see any difference in, um, you know, either of these. Like, they're both CRCs. The yeah. same pressings, aren't they? Yeah, there's nothing different with them. Yeah, yeah for some of... reason, this is really, really weird. Um, if you're trying to collect Night Ranger eight tracks, you're most likely to come across Seven Wishes, which, because it's the most recent one, it should be the hardest one to find. Dawn Patrol is by far the hardest one to find, but I think it's because you had that label shift yeah. from Boardwalk to MCA, and there just weren't that many copies made. So I don't even think such a thing like i don't know i think every copy of dawn patrol on a track would be boardwalk i don't think once they signed to mca that they reissued that columbia house would have reissued it i don't it's possible they did but i've never seen one that's a that's one of my grails as far as work damn it i'm just waiting for the spaghetti i don't know i know it's just just not worth it it's just not worth it. Especially we, the Dawn Patrol one. That would be like, ah. We, we can't hear it anyway. No. It's just I want the fucker to play. <laughs> Anyways, it played you need first. the one with the plunger. Um, but, you know, but but that's just the thing. Like, Night Ranger is a good example. That's not a band that you think of when you think of the 8-track era. And that's why I wanted to, that's what what I wanted to capture in this book, the fact that these things do exist. They, 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 it doesn't make sense that they exist, but they do. Um, I've got one picture in here that's got a bunch of uh, later 80s releases um, just to kind of drive home the fact that, you know, you've got these iconic albums that you think of as being, you know, 80s. You don't think of, you do not think of eight tracks as being anything bright and shiny in 80s, right? You think of them as old and musty and moldy. Um, but so when you see some of the uh, later 80s albums on a track here we go so recognize some of these titles mm-hmm. michael jackson bad i mean you know you get prince you get madonna you get the cocktail soundtrack journey's greatest hits which i now have i didn't have it at the time this came out but uh Journey's Greatest Hits and Fleetwood Mac Greatest Hits both came out November 15th, 1988. Those are supposedly the last two albums manufactured by a major label on a track. So really. Now I saw yeah. somewhere. Um let me uh 
see here if it will pull up but uh it was on you know one of these many pages that i'm a member of they showed fleetwood max greatest hits mm -hmm. on a track and they said that it was the last produced a track maybe for um i don't know if it was for that label or what but they you know made um they made mention that you know it was and i'm not a member of an eight track club so it was just a regular music club but um but they had mentioned that was like the last one that well so that that, in, that one and journey's greatest hits both were released the same <clears throat> day so all right here's here's what i saw the last eight track offered by a record label in mass production was fleetwood max greatest hits in 1988 so may, maybe there were some after that but this was like one I maybe they I, produced I don't, them. I like. don't I don't think so. I think what they're getting at is that those were the last ones that that were run off. And I know of no others from later on in 88 and none from 89. Like I think that's when they finally said, okay, you know, we're done with these. Like it mm. must have just been diminishing sales mm. uh to the point where, you know, it's just not worth it for us to keep man making these things. Wow. Um and probably, probably the um, older the cars got, you know, people were getting newer cars. They had the cassette decks in them at the time. Yeah. Well, my you understanding know, too, and I'm going to grab another one here, is that they got they got kind of cheap with the way that they uh, they just kind of slapped the stickers on. Like, I'm, here's a couple of more uh, recent eight tracks. Mm -hmm. So that's from 1987. They just slap this sticker on here. Printing's really small. And then uh, finally did get this. The sticker's on crooked. Well, they, they, they there was nothing. They weren't on the shelf, so they had no shelf appeal. And they really yeah, didn't so they care just, how they were know, going just, out. Here, take them, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. But the other thing that comes to mind, and I do have a chapter in the book dedicated to this, like these what-ifs. So, people are might be thinking well tim you're sitting here saying they made them all the way up to 1988 why don't we see big life and man in motion well there's a lot of reasons for that um man in motion is highly unlikely because we're into what september 88 now it wasn't a big selling album uh so the chances of them like the label even bothering to going to the record clubs and saying hey can you run off a few of these are very very slim Big Life is more of a possibility that was a gold-selling album, but I always kind of, um, until I see it, I'm not going to say it exists, but I cannot definitively say that it doesn't. For example, you know, this isn't a hundred, yeah. you know, Sammy Hagar solo isn't, isn't that different than Night Ranger, really, like as far as like the, your, your audience, right? So if this exists... Of and course, it it's possible say, that Big Life might exist, but I've never seen it. And it doesn't say I never said goodbye on it, does it? I mean, I've only no. seen a handful of regular copies that say that on there. Yeah. It, but, and, and, and again, you know, taking liberties with the cover art, the way that his name's printed on there, that's I've never seen that anywhere else. Mm. So, um, but yeah. Um, so I do have some what ifs in here that could exist but i strongly doubt that they do but in in the night ranger world um yeah you've got the two rubicon you know the, the rubicon songs on california jam 
you get the first three night ranger i i don't even know if the teacher's soundtrack exists on eight track um people have asked about it but no one has ever been able to present a picture to say that yes it does i mean mm. it well, doesn't it's... it makes sense that it would it a lot and of soundtrack and i don't recall seeing it in 1984 I mean, there, there's a lot um, it's very rare even on you know cd um tim you know why that sammy hagar is printed on there like that don't you because that album cover didn't have anything printed on it. The album, yeah, the that's actual... right. It originally came out. It had no title. Yeah, it was a sticker. Yeah, yeah. it was just it a was clear just sticker a stick. on it. Yeah, so that's why they did that. I'm sure. Yeah. So there were a lot of soundtracks that came out in uh, 1984 on eight track. I'm just looking through here, like Beverly Hills Cop, Breaking, Footloose, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom, The Woman in Red, Against All Odds, Metropolis. Mm-hmm. So. Now, I don't see any capital soundtracks on 8-Track. So maybe that's, you know, it might come down to what label that it was on, too. I don't know. Uh, I'm just trying to think if there was anything else that Night Ranger was on that might be. Um, I don't think the Secret of My Success soundtrack came out on 8-Track or Out of Bounds. I guess that would be it, wouldn't it? Explorers. That's, well, you know what? Hang on a second. The Out of Bounds I've got right here. And back then, they used to also say available, also available on cassette. Eight, you know, you know what I mean. It would tell yeah, you the other but format. If, if it was by 1986, it probably wouldn't say eight track unless it was a club version. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you're right, you're right. But, um, but again, you know, anything's possible. Like I, you know, the the material in this book is to the best of my knowledge. You know, um, if somebody had said to me, you know, I I remember seeing such and such an eight track, I'd be like, that's nice, but until I see proof, I'm not going to put it in one of these lists because I don't want false information out there. Like if somebody said, I'm pretty sure if somebody had Cinderella Night songs on 8-Track, and like, that's nice. I want to see a picture of it. Yeah. So I went through eBay <clears throat> and pulled up some of the most expensive 8-Tracks that have sold. So you guys may want to go through some of your 8-Track uh, collection because if you have Rat... Invasion yeah. of your privacy. Oh, I don't have that. <laughs> Give me a guess what that sold for. I I bet you it would be uh, at least three hundred. It sold for four hundred and fifty-five dollars and ninety-nine cents yeah. with nine dollars shipping. And here's here's the thing, guys. Like you might be out there thinking that's ridiculous, but when is the last time you saw a rat eight track? Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I might add, there's an example. There's a good example of a band where there's a skip because you can get the EP on a track. Really? But not out of the cellar. The okay. one that came in between. So and Black, you know. Now this is sealed, okay? Black Sabbath Live Evil. Yeah. What do you think it sold for? I'd be 200 or so, 150. Now, I think they accepted the best offer, but it was going for 459. Wow. And it sold and you got to be careful too because it's very easy to reseal things. We all know that, right? Now this one's not sealed, but just what you said, the first Rat EP. Yeah. Give me a price on it. That would oh, be that's... more than Invasion, I'm thinking. That's 600 bucks. 450. Yeah. Okay. Now you had you had this in the book and here's the Columbia House, you know, packaging. Okay. Even though there wouldn't be many of them, there'd be more of those than there would be the rat ones. 
So I'm going to say that's probably in that 150, 200 range. Um, I don't know if it's, um, may, I don't know if it's sealed or not. It doesn't say that it is, but it went for 439. Wow. Wow. Maybe uh, it must've been sealed. Now, Tim, you were talking about, um, easy to reseal. Yeah. Now on the Columbia houses, I mean, because I remember as a kid, when you bought them in the store, they, it was a thicker cellophane and everything was like heat sealed. Like yeah. the cor- cor- folded, it was folded and heat sealed in the corners. Yeah. Or the, whereas they started, you know, put them through the regular thing and hitting them with the gun, and it would just be kind of like I don't know. It, it would the, the 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 material wasn't as thick. Right. I'm, yeah. It I, was, mean, it I, was I cheap, could get right? on a record now. Yeah. So I mean, Josh so, just held up Boston Third Stage. Now that's, that's an. Imp- a- that's an MCA release, and it is an RCA record company. Yeah, yeah. So and, we know at least MC, MCA is doing 86, at least. Can you hold, well, no, RCA. That's an RCA music service issue of an MCA album. Correct. Well, I'm saying those so, we're one year behind yeah. Big Life. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, and, absolutely. So no that's what the RCA music version of that. I have the Columbia House version, and this is what it looks like. It's better. Oh, you got it's actually got graphic on it, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. I've I've got um hold on, I should have dug some of these out. I'm sorry. So but the I've got right around the time third stage came out. So I've got this Kansas Power. Mm-hmm. This isn't you know, it's on MCA, but it's an RCA music service version. So yeah, I mean big life it could, you know. It's just that I would think we'd have seen one by now. Yeah, I've never seen one, and I've seen pretty much almost everything. Um, this went for two hundred and fifty dollars. The third stage. Yeah, ACDC, yeah. fly on oh, the wall. Oh, fly on the wall. Yeah, yeah, fly on the wall, and and uh, who made who are the two that I don't have. <laughs> two hundred and twenty-three dollars. Yeah. I got I got them up to flip of the or flick of the switch, but uh, quiet riot. Yeah, condition critical. Yeah, two hundred dollars. Um. Yeah. Um, You're noticing there's a lot of rock there, right? A lot of yeah. hard rock. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, pretty and you got a lot of collectors. I mean, we're all a bunch yeah. of nerds. Uh, now, I did see where Dolly Parton released a Christmas album on eight track back in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got yeah. that there. Yeah. Um, there's the band a little... Ghost put out one of their albums on eight track. Yeah. I think. Um, which I think uh, Robin um, may have. Uh... Let me ask her. Um, so, uh, so Cheap Trick released one in 2009, something like that. Yes, they did. The latest. So did it come looking shitty already? Well, the copy I got, I didn't get it when it came out, but it it, mine's pretty smooth, but it looks like they did. Because if you look the way this is written here, that's what Capital used to use on their eight tracks. It looks like they I just mean, repurposed. Or maybe they uh, wanted it to look like the Beatles. Maybe that's why it looks like. Well, Capitol. that looks a little. That looks a little bit Beatleish on the back. Um, yeah. But, but I can see like the ripples on the back. Looks like there's a couple of ripples in the sticker. I don't know if it actually is, but. Um, uh, very 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 small. I think it's the light that shows them up. But, so there's uh, an there's an eight track from. Um, yeah, you know, two thousand two thousand nine. Now, There's one that I 
I'd like to have is Alice Cooper live at the AstroTurf from 2018. Uh, mm -hmm. That came out on 8-track in a limited uh, limited run. But I don't have that one. Now, the one thing I remember when it came to um, when it came to 8-tracks was kind of like what I was talking about with my grandpa wanting that George Jones uh, uh, 8-track because it had those rare songs on there was yeah. uh pink floyd mm -hmm. yeah There's yeah i know lot, exactly what you're yeah, a lot of people go after the i think it's the animals yeah uh, a track because there's an extended solo by snowy white yeah and there. it's only on the eight track version and i think it was just to fill up it was probably to even up the programs um which is pretty, yeah, yeah, that's a highly sought after one for like Pink Floyd fans that, again, don't necessarily collect eight tracks, right? And I don't necessarily, I don't collect these things to collect them. I collect the bands that I like and I like to get all the formats if I can. That's the, that's the thing. It's not just a matter of collecting these eight tracks. So I am kind of, I am kind of fascinated by just the fact that they exist and mm -hmm. some of the bands that do exist, like you said, Rat on eight track, like Shout at the Devil is on eight track. The first Bon Jovi is on eight track. Um, you know, it, it's crazy. Some of these bands that started just soon enough to get in on the eight track thing. Striper to hell with the devil came out on eight track. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's not a cheap hobby, but uh, <laughs> there is the thing. The nice thing about it is there is a finite amount. Eventually, there's only so many that I'm after. There's only so many that exist, but um it's it's fun you know it's fun talking to people about it and and, and you know educating because a lot of people are like oh no they stopped making eight tracks in the late 70s it's like no no there's i got night ranger i got def leopard i got you know and the, bands that... and the majority of eight tracks are still worthless um yes absolutely yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's not like there's a you know like the vinyl resurgence there's no eight track resurgence yes yeah. uh, it's just that people that have held on to them for many years I think they have now have a greater understanding of what they've got and what it could be worth to someone like, you know, like if you're a Springsteen fan, um, the box set, the live box set from 85, that came out on eight track. It's on four tapes. Mm -hmm. It's the only box set that came out on four formats. Tunnel of Love is on eight track. So if, if you're a hardcore Springsteen collector, those are the ones that you want to get. Mm -hmm. You want to get born in the USA. And, I know. don't I don't know exactly where I have it, but I have a Elvis box set on a track so the bot you know it's just like a regular box like you would get with cds it's got the yeah you know elvis and all the designs and everything and you open it up and there's a plastic tray with um you know three three eight tracks on there uh yeah. but you know because i still you know if i go to a thrift store or something you'll still find just eight tracks and they're usually it's someone that's they're still in the case you know the big old you know briefcase and yeah. you'll go through them and you know i mean you'll find some rock bands you like but it's you usually don't find, yeah you, you don't find, you, you tend to find a lot of disco you find a lot of easy listening a lot of carpenters a lot of carpenters a lot of old country ones a lot of um mm -hmm. a lot of um counterfeit ones like ones that it's it'll say like deep purple machine head but it's not the right cover and there's no label information on it well that's a counterfeit yeah. mm -hmm. you know uh, because just like cassettes, it was easy to dub uh, something onto an eight track, right? So I mean, really, the ones that you're wanting are the 
the ones that uh, really after probably the eighties or after you know pretty 19, much. I mean, and yeah, you're wanting rock or some pop, and the later in the eighties you go, probably the better you are because there's less of them there. Um, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Which again, that's another reason why it's odd that the easiest Night Ranger one to find is the most recent Seven Wishes. That's the one you're most likely to see, which doesn't make any sense. But. The, only, the only thing I can think of is Boardwalk Goes Out. By the time MCA is getting everything going with Midnight Madness, um, which they really, you know, they released on a track, um, you know, they're doing Seven Wishes. And Seven Wishes is a monster record. And yeah. um, they're just probably printing that stuff off left and right. So I'm going to bring Rock and Robin on because she actually has some newer A-tracks. So All right. um, we'll get her on real quick. And uh... When I want to tell you guys, my cord evidently has a short in it. So if I drop out, I didn't hang up on you. Yeah, I was trying yeah, to run yeah, and find yeah. another one. <laughs> So Rock, I apologize. Rock and Robin shows these eight tracks. <laughs> so I have four that I've gotten through like thrift stores or whatever, just because I like the band kind of. And I've tried to play two of them; they don't work. <laughs> so, well, that's that's the story of all mine. Pretty much. Yeah, Josh yeah. has been trying to play his tonight to limited success. <laughs> he could have said they worked. We we couldn't hear them anyway. <laughs> So I actually have a portable eight track player too, so I thought that was pretty cool. That's why I've been what I've tried to like play them on. That looks like a Rolodex. <laughs> kind of, it's heavy. <laughs> it's portable, but I can't imagine it's heavier than a purse. <laughs> Let's but, see uh, that new Ghost one. I'll show you. That. It's still sealed. It's their fourth album prequel, prequel, whichever. Yeah. Oh, they didn't even put it in the slipcase. Um, I think I got it like in a box with like the vinyl and CD and all that. And then here's the back with the track listing. What's the spine look like? The um, it's black and it says Ghost Prequel. And the fun thing with this is that when you ordered it, you either got yellow, white, or black. You got one of three colors you couldn't pick, so I got the yellow one. Is that now on the back? The programming are any of the songs like cut in half? Yeah, are they in the right order? Or? They are in the right order. I don't think any are. Huh, would help if I had my microphone. Um, I don't think any songs are missing as well. They're in. They're all in order. Yeah. All right. Well, and it's there, directly there. from like the ghost site or whatever. <laughs> So there we go. Ghost might lead a resurgence in the eight uh, track. Well, uh, do you recall? Well, that's the back? other thing I wonder too. Like when you know, when bands put you know, it's like that cheap trick one. It's like, uh, has anyone actually ever listened? Is there anything on there, or did they just say here it is on eight track? Well, that's <laughs> what I need to get these. You know, because we were talking about with the Pink Floyd having the differences. I've I can't remember. I've heard other people say that there's been different mixes on eight track. You know, on eight track versions, and you know, it's like I need to get these Night Ranger ones played and see if there's anything um, different on there. Yeah, I'm actually, actually quite surprised Kiss has never done any 
of the yeah. the A track thing. I mean, with all the limited edition stuff they do. Well, they could have so yeah. much fun putting out Sonic Boom and yeah, yeah. The Monster and um, whatever. And what's crazy is like Tobias Forg of Ghost. That's how you pronounce his last name, by the way. The E is silent. Um, no, he wrong. loves Kiss. Like, like he grew up on Judas Priest, Kiss, all of that. And like, you can totally like I have all these autograph tattoos, and he asked me like, like who they are. I'm like Joe Elliott, and you know, like Judas Priest. He's like, that's so cool. I'm honored. He he like, you know, he grew up with the best, and he's a huge fan. So it makes sense, you know. Well, until you got a fans of, do it. <laughs> until you got a fans of motion autograph tat, um, <laughs> you really don't have anything. But um, all right, so let's well, hold do on. A... I got a question for Tim real quick. Yeah, go go easy. <laughs> now, there was, no, no, you you may or may not know this because I don't know the answer. But back when Spinal Tap released "Break Like the Wind," uh yeah, yeah, you remember all the promotional stuff they released yeah, for that? There wasn't there wasn't actually anything on. I think they just on the A track. Existing eight tracks and put, as far as I can remember, they weren't even really careful at how they put the sticker over top of whatever. Okay, it was. I I had never held one of them. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, because I know they also released a colander instead of a calendar. You know? <laughs> um, you know, yeah. because I remember the, a local one of our local record stores had both of them in, and I begged them for them. They wouldn't, but they still I have. Laughed. I, I still think it's, I can still remember the ad that I saw for that album that came out in 92 and the quote, I think it was from Nigel Topfall. It said something like, uh, we're back. Uh, come back with us. Join us, won't you? In the consumer sense. <laughs> it was probably one of the best tours I've ever seen in my life. Well, I got a dog. I got my Rufus here. <laughs> wants to go out. So. All right, Brent, you got anything else for Tim? No, uh, Tim, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, that was that this was, is awesome. Thanks. That was thanks. so cool talking. All right, Tim. Uh, where can they get the uh, the unspooled at Amazon? Amazon, yeah. It's uh, it, originally I I self published it, but it, it's uh, it's on Amazon now. Wherever wherever you call home, just your your you know Amazon.ca or .com or in Australia or whatever. And um, well, I've actually got another book that just came out, but we're not here to talk about that one just yet yeah, i did mention the band earlier and there and there is a night ranger connection with it there is a, a night ranger are mentioned in the book too just very briefly because it's one of those bands that have multiple singers so <laughs> uh what's the book about what band well let me i'll just hold it up real quick what i've got right now is the proof copy like it just came out as we're filming this yt down for the count the yt album review um this is not as graphics intensive as um, as Unspooled is, but this is a panel discussion, album by album. One of the most overlooked bands, even more overlooked than Night Ranger because they never even had a gold album. But um, hoping this will get people listening to them. And uh, yeah, Night Ranger's mentioned in here because who did the uh, cover? Who did the uh, cover art there? Well, uh, the same man that uh, did uh, the cover for Man in Motion, Mr. Hugh Syme, uh, did. Yeah. Uh, I actually. Okay was able to secure his talents for this. Of course, I mean, I'm a huge Rush fan and he's like the Rush guy, but he's done, you know, but he's done, um, That's very you know, cool. White Snake, uh, Megadeth, uh, Bon Jovi, New Jersey, White Snake. Uh, I think I said White Snake already, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's, you uh, know, Sur Survivor and, uh, White Snake. Uh, so he's Death Leopard he's, retroactive, oh, uh, White Snake. Um, he did White Snake. He did yeah. Coverdale page even. Yeah, David Coverdale was in White Snake. Uh, so there we go, guys. Uh, go to Amazon, 
type in uh, Unspooled, uh, an adventure in eight tracks by Tim Durling. Purchase it. Um, it's very cool. I mean, all I, you know, all these photos we are kind of shown on my phone. He's got them all in there. He's got all the list. Um, go dig through your shit. See what you got. You may have five hundred bucks sitting there. Yeah. Um, but uh, Tim, you got a Dawn Patrol eight track you just can't stand to have. Let me know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or hey, you'll, if, uh, you'll even pay the exchange fee for the border. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I'm used to that. It's... <laughs> well, Tim, thanks for joining us. Uh, we hope to see you again, buddy. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>